You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Great to have you tuned into the program. This is China Africa Talk, the program that brings views and discussions from a Chinese and African perspective. I'm your host Bridget Mutambirwa, joining you from the Chinese capital and today we discuss post-covid travel and the effects of the pandemic to the tourism industry. What is it that tourists are looking for? What has been the impact of rising inflation, increased fuel and food prices and staff shortages in the tourism sector? On the line today are Dr. Lawal Marafa, a professor at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, who's also the director of the postgraduate program in sustainable tourism, together with Jessica Xu from Xintian Wang International Travel Service in Beijing. Join us to unravel the discussion. Dr. Marafa and Jessica, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Perhaps let's start with Jessica. Let's look at China. How has the tourism industry fared since the pandemic hit? Actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, China really suffering a lot. This is from the 2020, from February and mid of the maybe August, China was frozen, stopped everything, almost everything, and we lose almost the half year economy to protect life. Maybe later half 2020, everything go back normal and much better, including the tourism. Okay. Dr. Marafa, when we look at China and Africa cooperation in tourism post-COVID, how far have the two sides gone in creating destinations that have a networked infrastructure that enables informativeness and accessibility of tourism resources needed to support urban and international tourism? What's been happening of late? I mean like you said earlier you know what Jessica mentioned tourism has been down for a very long time I mean since 2020 uh, we have seen tourism go downwards for Africa I think it has gone down almost 75 or 80% percent mm. uh, Asia Pacific and basically China is the biggest market it has gone down for almost 95% percent, you know or so but as we move on with you know vaccines and you know a little bit of ease in quarantine and movement we can see a little bit of beginning to grow mm. Africa for example you know a lot of countries depend on tourism as the lifeline so we have seen a little bit opening and you know basically moving in Kenya Tanzania South Africa and indeed Mauritius you know and and Seychelles so they are opening up so we are waiting to see how that market will pick up like i travel demand for tourism yeah well there is a beginning of demand in the last one year i think also we have seen european tourism you know with uh, chartered flights you know romania as an example mm. uh, you know going in uh, but again you see with the vaccines being completed by many people trying to get what we call the herd immunity people with 50% 70% vaccination so yes i can see growing demand you know that will open so we are we are really waiting to see how the chinese tourists will basically go back into africa because that is also one market that was supposed to be booming by the year 2020 we would have seen a very big jump in the number of chinese tourists going into africa we look forward to that probably in the coming year also 
Mm. Still on the issue of travel demand, Jessica, I'd like to know from you. Data released by China Tourism Academy reveals that in China during the 2021 Spring Festival and May holidays, domestic passenger traffic recovered to 75.3%, 103.2% and 70.1% respectively of the same period in 2019, mm-hmm. while tourism revenues were back to 58.6%, 77% and 59.9% of the 2019 levels, which is an improvement compared to the figures by quarter. This is just for China. But when you're still looking at the issue of high travel demand, how is the rest of the world doing? What's your take from where you stand as somebody who is in the tourism industry in China? It's a really big change inside China tourism industrial. Mm. Most of the travel service company and agencies was suffering a very hard time because they are doing inbound or outbound. You know, before China relied on a lot of the incomes about inbound. Because the foreigners coming to China, purchasing and hotel accommodation and the a business product like also food. It is a really take a very big part in the, our nation's economy. But actually, 2020-2021 last year, all the inbound and, and outbound was suspended. Mm-hmm. So China economy is also suffering a lot. But actually, what I know, some of the tour operator and the travel agency of China was still very strong, trying to do some more business and finally they assess successfully. Mm-hmm. Actually, I know some of the tour operator or travel agency was still very strong in this pandemic period. Mm-hmm. And their incomes not changed, not so large. Others, I mean, maybe most was suffering and some of the bankrupt and some of the closed door. Actually, it depends on how the company works on its plane and how it carry on. They are doing mm. fishing this uh, serious problem, not just to sit down, sleeping, but they are they have to try to form more transits for the company. Those are probably some challenges that have also come about post-COVID. To what extent might high inflation derail the recovery process? Okay. Professor? Yeah, well, um, I think, again, like I said earlier, um, we have seen a little bit of a rebound, and that means tourism starting basically to come back. According to UNWTO, we have seen in the first quarter, in fact, one can even say in the first half of this year, 2022, mm-hmm. we have seen, you know, almost 250 people arriving, you know, as tourists. And so you can see that even though there is a little bit of high inflation, you know, with flight tickets uh, and also accommodation, because some hotels are also utilizing on this less patronage and increasing their fears. But people have not traveled for two or three years, Mm. you know, in in terms of tourism. Mm. So there's that need for people to travel. And some of them have actually, believe it or not, saved a little bit of money because people have been in lockdowns people have actually been not not been spending in many places to have social distancing so going out was not encouraged so a few people who are you know diehard tourists you know have actually started traveling out mm. and despite uh, what we have seen as the rising cost uh, in terms of inflation you mentioned something about flight tickets there professor There has been a shortage of staff in aviation, perhaps in the whole tourism industry owing to the pandemic. 
What can tourism industry do to attract new recruits? Um, you know, like uh, it, we celebrate the World Tourism Day, you mm. know, so annually it's the World Tourism Day. Um, and then the theme for this year, actually rethinking tourism. So how do we rethink and move tourism, you know, tourism ahead? Now, this rethinking tourism is not going to be overnight. It's certainly going to be people going back to the drawing board mm. and basically see how to make it. We in the ethics committee and, and ethics ethics group are in the opinion uh, that where jobs have been lost you know like uh, Jessica just now mentioned and some of them have actually closed mm. um, you can see that a few governments are actually you know trying to help mm -hmm. uh, they are trying to help uh, companies because uh, essentially most tourism companies are SMEs that is small and medium uh, you know enterprises mm -hmm. so, so there is the need uh, you know, basically to move on. There is the need to help some of uh, some of these companies to actually revive. And as we move on with rethinking tourism, as some of us are thinking sustainability. Some mm. of us are thinking small destinations, you know, not necessarily uh, the big mass tourism that we were used to, but something that will allow people to go to smaller destinations, you know, rural uh, areas close to them and areas that they are basically familiar with to look at culture and basically to be part of the society that has been in lockdown for two, three years without seeing visitors, without basically getting the benefit that tourism brings. Mm. So I think that's one of the ways, uh, you know, to look at it. Okay, but do you see travel returning to recovery in Africa, perhaps over the next five months? Um, well, yeah, if, if you say Africa, so, so certainly not the whole of Africa. I mean, okay. uh, there are places, yeah, even in this year's uh, report, again, by the UNWTO, mm -hmm. uh, one of the places that we are seeing recovery uh, is actually Seychelles. Seychelles mm -hmm. was mentioned, and I think Mauritius was also basically mentioned. And places like South Africa and mm -hmm. indeed Kenya are also beginning to welcome back tourists. And these are places where vaccines have gone very well. People have actually uh, received their vaccines. And of course, travelers are also expected to have their vaccines. I think mm -hmm. one thing that we have to, to also say is, uh, you know, Mauritius and Seychelles, I think they are, you know, to some extent unique because the, the COVID pandemic was actually less impacted, you know, on mm -hmm. these two destinations, you know, that I have mentioned, both, uh, you know, the cases of sicknesses and the cases of death as a result of the COVID pandemic has been, you know, very low. Mm -hmm. so, so that's why we are seeing recovery are picking up in those two places. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there. Okay. Jessica, would you say that the tourism industry is still a bit changed owing to the pandemic? For China, inbound and outbound, yes. Okay. But for the other country, except China, all over the world, 
uh, their come back normal. As I have also offers in uh, America and also Africa, okay. my company Africa called Abertos company in Uganda and mm. Rwanda and more and more uh, groups from Europe and also Korea and Japan coming to Africa okay. and also Fuji. Yeah, we have office in Fuji also and also some um, tourists from America and other countries, New Zealand and Australia coming. Everything seems coming back to the time before epidemic. So mm. we are happy to see people realize that the world is more and more better. And I think China as a spearleading of after the beginning of the pandemic will gradually to release the pressure. And now we are also under great pressure, economy pressure, because mm. the now current policy and the, they will, uh, I think they will work with the other country uh, cooperate well, well, and to, to open gradually. Now I see um, a lot of flights coming China more frequently, like Emirates and Ethiopia Airlines, and mm. also Air China opening a lot of direct lines with the other country. I know more uh, like uh, Air Israel will reopen next year. So I have a very great hope of next year we can go outside to see more. What would this probably mean for business tourists and business travelers from what you've just mentioned? They're traveling there for labor, holiday, something like for the other country. Mm-hmm. The, the, the cast is not from China. Okay. They're from the other country, including some of the Chinese. Okay. And what are possible outcomes of, or challenges of the pandemic to the tourism industry that you would say are there to stay? The challenging, I think, is uh, some of the the person, you know, the person, the, we are, we are belongs to the service industrial. Mm. Some of the very good quality recruiter, like, I mean, the staff mm. was quit. Uh, some of the immigration to the other country, some of left and uh, some of choose to other industrial. This is maybe a challenging. And also, maybe we need time to make our guys, the clients in China to feel safe to go outside because before we think it's very risky it's very dangerous to go outside because mm. of the uh, COVID-19 but now they will maybe release the pressure and feel freely to enjoy nature and the holiday. Okay. Because I've seen a lot of countries are also making use of e-passports. We have seen a lot of requirements to cross borders. You need to get COVID jabs and things like that. Are we likely to see more of these things from your opinion, that people are perhaps more aware of the pandemic and probably learned their lessons and certain things will be there to stay? Uh Of course. Okay. All right. And has the pandemic changed what tourists are looking for, perhaps? Trying to avoid mass tourism, for example. What is, uh, of what course, is... Marafa or me? <laughs> Jessica, yes. Okay, of course. Um, since some clients come to me, like they go to Tibet, Xinjiang, and also Hainan province, they would like to making at a smaller size, like a one family, two family, or even a couple. Mm. Not very big size. Before, they are charter flight to go outside. Now, almost no charter flight and very smaller groups, like no more than 10. They are, mm. they are safety and uh, they think it's better to enjoy the holiday. Mm. Professor Marafa? Yeah, I think um, what Jessica said is, is totally correct. Uh, people are traveling with close family. People mm. are traveling, uh, you know, with, uh, with friends. Uh, and, and, and like she said rightly, and everybody is seeing this, China's domestic tourism has actually opened up. The last mid-autumn festival that mm. was just 
finished, you know, a large number of people actually traveled around, more than 100 million people. And so internationally, uh, people are also beginning to travel closer home. We have what we call proximity, you know, tourism. Mm. Uh, and then people are going to where they are familiar with, so they know the place already. So mm. we are not seeing that kind of mass tourism or we are not seeing that kind of i just go because it's on my list to go mm. are actually becoming selective in what they do so that is what we are saying you know the health issue uh, is, is number one it's it's kind of a crisis that you know hopefully we are seeing it going away but people are basically trying to move um you also mentioned earlier um about you know the the e e passport yes. you know, or, or you know whatever now, a few, a few countries, um, I think, uh, I can't remember which one. I think it's it's either Morocco or Kenya, um, you know, and certainly Mauritius was trying to develop what they call a digital nomad. And, you know, a few other places, Morocco opened up, you know, I think, visa on arrival or even no visa, you know, for, for Chinese tourists, you mm. know, just before the pandemic. And that increased the, the number to almost 300%. Mm. I mean, normal of the normal uh, tourists that are coming so i think there is the need to look at um you know such policies you know so that there could be um you know ease of travel flexibility of travel um and so that will go beyond the companies mm. that will really have to go between governments because it is the government that will agree this is a visa issue mm. so governments the two governments agree on this a perspective, then tourism will basically come back and that will be to everybody's benefit. And you just mentioned policies there um, as a solution perhaps to some of the challenges that we've just discussed. What policies are available so far to promote a resilient tourism growth between China and Africa? Well, like like again, like I said, um, it's, it's not, um, of course, in the meetings, you know, in the forecast meetings, you know, and so on that that have been uh, you know, mentioned, you know, everywhere, uh, there has been some efforts by, um, you know, different governments. And, and you know, right away, you can, you can, of course, mention, uh, you know, Kenya, you know, like I said, um, and, and you can, again, mention uh, a bit, you know, Rwanda, you know, is, is also opening up. Uh, Ghana is, is also trying to create, you know, policies, and these are, um, you know, between government. And, and generally, uh, the Chinese government um, have actually identified what we call um, destination, you know, approved destination status. Mm. And a number of uh, African countries are on that list of approved uh, destination status. I think we have like about um, 27 African countries that actually the Chinese nationals can go for tourism mm-hmm. uh, you know, without actually applying for visa, you know, previously. So they will get there and basically get kind of visa on arrival. Mm. Uh, some of them that do not have this facility uh, have actually decentralized their visa application process, you know, in China. And, and I think there are a few cities, uh, you know, like, you know, Angola, for example, you know, mm. Morocco, you know, and all others. Uh, you can just go to different cities and collect your visa, not necessarily actually you know going going to beijing so if governments agree on this case then that will make it easier that will make it you know it's a win-win a win-win situation because both countries are basically need each other africa has 
unique tourism offering. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at, you know, what Africa has in, as far as tourism is concerned, mm. I, I would simply say that there is probably no continent that offers, you know, so much as far as tourism is concerned, uh, you know, than Africa. Just as a solution, perhaps what can the tourism industry do to attract new recruits in aviation? In fact, in the whole sector where there's been a shortage of staff. Uh, firstly, to give uh, hope to let them to see they can come back this industry and it will be developed sustainable, and uh, the tourism will be reopened, not suspended or constantly. Mm. So the they will yeah some most of them love tourism and some of them already working in this area more than twenty years. Mm. Uh, they love yeah they love this this uh, this industry. And then they will come back to choose, uh, choose to come back. And some of them maybe some idea, other idea is to give them uh, a stable salary. Here they will be feel safe, mm. inner safe, and they will be come back stably. Uh, certainly, I think is uh, inbound and outbound maybe will be more prosperity for this industry and more and more very high quality. Uh, recruits will be come back because no more languages and uh, some of them working and studying overseas they will come back also this month we celebrate world tourism day and not every holiday destination is open but say you had a place to pick what place would it be <laughs> okay i'm not actually for this i i really hope um to, to hear a news that some country um maybe even uh very quite near one to open a but uh, I'm not sure. Okay, how about Dr. Um, Marafa? So, Jessica, have you been to Africa? Of course, I I have been working in Africa since 2006. My first working place was in Zimbabwe. Okay, oh. that's very nice. So I will, uh, in, in response to your question, uh, uh, Bridget, I yes. will basically say that um, without being biased, um, if I'm to travel, I think the best place is basically to go to Africa, you know, again, because um, like, I, said, I'd, like yeah. I said, there are so many things, you know, in Africa, um, again, if depending on your budget, you can mm. actually do a bit of luxury travel. Mm. Um, yes, uh, mostly I say to my clients that Africa is go back very, very well. Because oh, yeah. uh, after two years, yeah, after two years rest, uh, the animals yeah. and the national park is become yeah. more beautiful. And yes, and also African people is more warm-hearted to welcome Chinese people yeah. back. Yeah. In the in the world, Africa and China they're connected very well, and they sponsor each other. Yeah, yeah, that's also my hope. Africa will be the first that China chooses to open. Okay, yeah. so Africa is. Yeah, it's luxury. There is also the season uh, because, um, you know, in many seasons, basically, you go uh, particularly to Eastern Africa and, mm. and you know, others that are not, um, you know, totally uh, dry. Uh, you will find the season very, very lovely. And she said the wildlife. So, again, anywhere you go. Uh, the wildlife is fantastic. And if you choose to do archaeology, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. many of the African countries actually have culture and archaeology um, that you can be able to look at. Uh, you know, in, so a whole package of one week or a whole package of 10 days will actually give you, you know, all that you need. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, for me, if I'm to travel very close to Hong Kong, 
Um, I think I'm looking forward to visiting Shanghai again. Mm. Uh, Shanghai, Shanghai is a very good place. Of course, you know, Beijing is there, but uh, maybe Shanghai will be a first pick, you know, once the travel is open. Mm, okay. You, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. Professor Marafa and Jessica, I'd like to thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's it for now. Don't forget to catch us on all our episodes on CGTN Radio website or as a podcast where you usually listen. Repeat editions to each edition are also available on selected radio frequencies every Sunday and Monday in Mombasa, Nairobi, Tanzania, Uganda and Liberia. Until next time, it's goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.